the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory this morning we commemorate the holy new martyrs and confessors of Russia, those who suffered, those who were martyred, for, who were killed under the communist yoke. It is in remembering for our particular commemoration today that we also remember all of those outside of Russia who perished or who suffered under the communist yoke from Albania to Bulgaria, Serbia, Romania, throughout Eastern Europe, up into the Baltics, there was much suffering as if a plague had been unleashed, a kind of craziness, an ideological fervor, a revolutionary fervor that this morning I would like for us to hear about the story of St. Vladimir, who was the Metropolitan of Kiev, who was killed by the Bolsheviks. Once the Bolshevik Revolution came to Kiev on January 23, in 1918, the soldiers first broke into the churches, where they took the monks out into the courtyard, stripped them, and beat them. It was just a few days later that a drunken group of soldiers and a sailor came looking for Metropolitan Vladimir. There's two aspects to this. There was the revolutionary fervor, an anti-Christian sentiment, but there was also just sheer greed. They thought he had money. I mean, look at what he wears when he goes to church, right? He has all this gold stuff on. You go into the church, especially the Kiev Lavra, you're talking about churches with lots of incredibly beautiful, expensive things. Years of the faithful and their tears put into to honor the saints and God. They broke into the bedroom of the 70-year-old hierarch where they tortured him. They took the chain of his cross and they choked him. And all they were looking for was money. When they were finally done, the Metropolitan cell attendant, basically his secretary, the person who helps him, approached him as he was being led out of his apartment asking for a blessing. The sailor pushed him aside and said, enough bowing to these blood drinkers, no more of it. What an odd thing to say. First, I think we can hear this as blood drinkers, as there was a common sentiment that the clergy were just after money. This also has an interesting echo of what the early Romans, when they were killing Christians, thought that they were doing when they were receiving communion, that they were drinking blood. Yes, <laughs> but not like that. After the Metropolitan blessed him and kissed him, he said, goodbye, Philip. And he walked calmly with his executioners. <clears throat> Just as if he was to serve liturgy. 
He was driven from the monastery to the place of execution, and he asked them, is this where you intend to shoot me? And they said, why not? After praying for a short time and asking forgiveness for his sins, he blessed them. Saying, may God forgive you. Then he was shot. He was found the next morning because they took his body back to the Lavra. They brought him into the church and they began the prayers. When they heard of this in Moscow, the all-Russian church council was gathered where Metropolitan Vladimir had been very well known. If you're the Metropolitan of Kiev, you're very well known in the church. This is where Patriarch Tikhon, sorry, I always turn this way, Patriarch Tikhon then performed the memorial service for the new martyr Vladimir. This is the reason why we here at St. Anne's and being a part of the OCA with our ties to St. Tikhon, who served here in America, that we have this particular memory, this particular synaxis. And it is because of the martyrdom of St. Vladimir on January 25th, which is why at the end of every January, the Sunday closest to January 25th, that we celebrate this particular commemoration of all the new martyrs and confessors. Because the story of St. Vladimir, the one who is able to pray for his executioners, to bless them, and to forgive them and ask for God's forgiveness of them was not a man of means. I think they got a hundred rubles is what I read out of this, you know, 50, 70 70 bucks. This man who is able to bless and forgive as the rifles were being brought out and prepared. This is a man who had been a widower, who had lost not only his wife and child, but had spent his entire priesthood and then his work in the episcopacy working for the poor, for those who struggle with alcohol, for those who had left the faith. He had poured himself out for the faithful. And all it took was delusion, greed to snuff his light out. The gospel that is appointed for this particular commemoration is one of our Lord's, we say, apocalyptic, where he talks about nations rising against nations, earthquakes, all of the things from the Old Testament, from the prophets, that signify great, incredible suffering and upheaval. Where he foretells to those who heard him at that time, and for us who hear him today, as we remember the new martyrs' confessors who also heard this, that there are times when there is persecution. There's times where we are brought before, as our Lord says, the kings and rulers for the sake of Christ. That it will become an opportunity for testimony, For the word martyr means witness, that St. Vladimir was able to witness to the truth of Christ, 
to be able to forgive as he stared death in the face. And not just death, but a hatred and a cruelty and a darkness. Our Lord says and counsels us with some interesting things. He tells us, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. Wouldn't, isn't the idea of that there's a possibility that something incredibly important like the opportunity to be a martyr, don't you want to think about that? Like have your lines, you know what you're going to say. But our Lord does not tell us to think about it. He says, don't meditate upon it. There is throughout our Lord's teaching an emphasis upon what is actually happening and not what our fantasy or what we think about as being what we're actually doing. Because if we were to meditate beforehand, I mean, think about this. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. When has this not been the case for us in this country? Maybe we have a little lull, but like if you watch anything online... (laughs) We're always, the end is nigh, right? This is the next crisis. Here's this, here's that. China, Russia, Taiwan. I mean, just, it's just this endless, oh, what about this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Past few years thinking, oh, what is going to happen in our country, et cetera, et cetera. You know, just fear, anger, despair. Does our Lord... In the midst of this temptation to despair and temptation, maybe not temptation to be overwhelmed, but just feeling completely underwater. Wouldn't you think that our Lord would say, meditate upon what might happen at the end, how you might go? He says, don't do that. Because Christ will give you a mouth and wisdom. St. Vladimir did not know that his time would end in the evening of January 25th. What St. Vladimir knew is that he needed to have faith in Christ, which is why he would serve the poor, which is why he would help, which is why he would pour himself out, which is why he would be able, when the rifles were brought before him, to be able to bless them, the Episcopal blessing, and say, may God forgive you. For if we are thinking about some uh, thing in the future, or we just become overwhelmed with despair, our Lord is telling us to live in our faith now. To live, not live in the moment, as you might hear advertised, but to live in Christ now. Not in some future time, not in some other place as if you are the star of your own little movie, that's our temptation today, or selfie or reel or Instagram story or whatever it would be today instead of a movie. Because faith is something that is lived day to day, moment to moment, and needs growth. Faith is not certain data points where we have accumulated Jesus Christ as God, Uh, I need to enter into the Orthodox Church, or I'm in the Orthodox Church, therefore I need to fast and do all these things. These are all opportunities for growth in trust in Christ. Faith is trust. How do you grow in trust? It's not the accumulation of more data. It can be helpful, 
But that is getting to know someone. I don't trust, I might say I trust information, but that's not like I know information. To trust God is to have to grow in faith, to grow in suffering. This is an ancient idea. You can find it in Plato, and I think it's throughout Scripture as well. That it is through suffering. This is one saying of a particular scholar that I think applies here. Knowledge makes a slow and bloody entrance. If you're going to actually know something, it requires suffering. To love and to trust. Because this tests the trust. This is why faith is necessary for growth in hope and growth in love. If we do not have faith and trust in Christ, what hope do we have? And if we do not have hope and we do not trust Christ, how can we actually love to the point of someone like St. Vladimir to ask, bless, and forgive the persecutor. Our Lord tells us that he will give us the mouth and the wisdom that we need. This is not an instance of we are just going to wait and then, you know, just wing it, right? Like at the end, that, that that's what he's saying. Don't worry, I'll just inspire you with words. What I think our Lord is actually telling us is if you are faithful day in, day out, you will know what to say. Because it's not new. You are ready as much as you are faithful. Our Lord ends this gospel by telling us that by our patience we will possess our souls. To let this sink in a little bit. By patience we will possess our souls. When we look around or if we are worried about the world or what is coming or what is going to be there for our kids or our grandchildren, much less for ourselves, what is the typical response for us or what is even given to us? Anger, despair, cursing. We heard in the epistle this morning from Colossians, we are to put to death anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language, out of our mouth. It is only patience that allows us to stem our anger, to not sin while we're angry. It is only patience that curbs our wrath. Patience that does not allow us to spill over or to turn against God in blasphemy or to just let our mouths run. Because patience can only be the fruit of faith in Christ hope in Christ, and love that we find in Christ. That is why Jesus says, not a hair of our head will be lost. Paul then tells us in Romans, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up. If this is the God who will give up his own son, is he not going to give all things that we need? So who can bring a charge against God's elect? Because it's God who justifies. Who can condemn us? 
Because Christ died for us. He is risen at the right hand of the Father. It is He who makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. For it is written, for the sake of Christ we are killed all day long because we are just sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, in all the midst of all this tribulation, all the distress, all the possibilities of suffering, we are conquerors through him who loved us. Because nothing can get between us and Christ. Not death, not life, the cares of this life, angels, principalities, powers, the demons, nor things present, nor anything that we can imagine that is to come, nor height, nor depth. And this is where Paul is just nothing. (laughs) Every dimension I can think of, nothing can get between us and Christ. Because nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.